0: All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm Jason Klepa, and today I am joined by MDV, where we answer your questions from the internet. If you're not following us on Instagram, check out ncfit underscore collective, where we put up stories to hear your questions that we need to answer. We dive into a number of different subjects today, and I truly hope you enjoy this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Wattify. We use Wattify in multiple different locations across multiple programs with thousands of athletes, and Wattify helps us keep track of it all. If you haven't checked it out go to waterfy.com slash fit today and you'll receive 20% off your first year that's waterfycom slash fit without further ado let's dive into the episode I'm here with MDV and uh, today we're kind of going over some uh,
1: no man the myth the legend <laughs> no <this> man time.
0: <laughs> no man the myth the legend <laughs> These guys make fun of me because every single podcast, I'm like, the man, the myth, the legend. But anyways, today, uh, we got some questions from the NC Fit Collective uh, Instagram. And Rufio, who runs that for us, put up a, a basically a post saying, hey, what kind of questions you guys have? And so we wanted to take a little bit of time right now and answer some of those. And, uh, you know, we're just going to go for, you know, 30, 30 minutes or so. So I think the first one we'll kind of start off with. This one... Is um, a little bit of an interesting question because it says, "How do you schedule regular meetings between multiple business owners and stay accountable?" And so MDV and I were talking about it earlier, and this is like a bigger question, right? So, so what do you think about that one? How do you how do you schedule and stay accountable to business meetings to other gym owners?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a, it, it's obviously a, a very um, you know simple question, but there's a lot of layers there. But I think this person, um, whoever asked this question, put the key word already into the question. It's accountability, yeah. (laughs) And um, you know, how do you schedule meetings and stay accountable to them? Um, You schedule the meeting and you stay accountable to it. Uh, It's that simple, you know. And it's a very simple concept, but I think it's a lot harder in actual execution. I think accountability is one of these things that um, is, is not. It's not, not everybody has it and not everybody is able to stay accountable to the things that they say they're going to do. But if you're talking about excellent leaders, excellent coaches, excellent owners, and people who really excel in in our space, those people are hyper accountable. They always follow through on what they say they're going to do. They always answer their emails. They always show up to meetings. They always do what they say they're going to do.
0: Yeah. And so I think to summarize what MDV is saying, you know, how do you, how do you schedule regular meetings between multiple business owners and stay accountable is you just do it. And I think as a gym owner, you got to take ownership in the fact that are you holding yourself accountable every day to do the things necessary to develop your business? Because at the end of the day, you have a responsibility to your family, to your coaches and to your members to do these things, Mm. such as respond to emails, et cetera. So what could you do as a gym owner? Well, you could reach out Use Google, find you know five gym owners in your area, or maybe maybe if you feel uncomfortable talking to the gym owners in your direct area, then maybe find you know thirty minutes away, right? Reach out to them Just say, hey, look, I'm trying to raise the bar. Are you trying to raise the bar? And if they seem like you're like minded individuals, mm. then set up a coffee, right? We talked about this in um, our book, As Many Reps as Possible. One of the things you could do is find like minded individuals, send them an email, and put on your calendar that you're going to meet with them on a quarterly basis. Talk about raising the bar, mm. and. These accountability groups just need to be started. But if you find the right people, they'll help to lift you up and not try and smother you.
1: Yeah. I actually I think I read this question, Jay. I think he's he might be talking about like having multiple owners in a single organization. Oh. Right. But I think I think <laughs> I think both of those things are amazing. I think having an accountability group to keep yourself on track to your personal and professional goals with other people who are outside your organization. I think that that's a, that's a fucking awesome idea. Like, I think that that's something you should definitely look into. I think what you were saying about having multiple owners inside one organization, uh, something that's really lacking, I think in, in our industry in particular, like the fitness industry, the functional fitness space, a lot of times people who come from like a training background or who might not necessarily be, uh, you know, super business savvy coming into it, there's these soft skills, right? You know, following up your emails, you know, making sure that when you read an email, you either respond to it or you flag it or you mark it back on red if you're not going to respond to it. But use of like Google calendars, Gmail calendars, Outlook calendars, I think is something that a lot of times people who are trainers might not necessarily learn coming into this, right? Yeah. And you know that's something that I think we do pretty well as an organization is like we we take time to actually teach our people to for what I came from a, a legal background and had some corporate positions so like knowing those things is a little bit more um, habit now and routine for me but you take for granted that someone might not know how to schedule a meeting yeah they might not know how to put it into their calendar and you got to teach people that sometimes
0: well or you have to teach yourself i mean if you're the owner that's something i was resistant to for a long time but it makes it a lot better and so one of the things that we've been instilling is you know you use google um, or gmail Mm -hmm. and you could add You could add attendees, right? And they could accept or decline the invitation. And You know, if that's something you could do with your team, it's so, so easy. You set up a 9 a.m. meeting and you add these different attendees and maybe they can't make it and they could recommend a different time. Mm -hmm. But at least, you know, for that hour, for that time, for example, after we complete this podcast... I have another call to get on. Then after that, we have scheduled meetings on specific subjects. And during those hours or during those time, we know the subject we're going to talk about. Because like for MDV and I and some other people in our organization, we can start off on these different tangents. But I think if you set aside time to meet with your owners to talk about the P&L or to you know set aside time to talk about marketing and promotion, now you know going into it. And everybody knows actually mm-hmm. the mindset that you're going into that meeting. Yeah. With. So I think it's a fine use Google line account. too. You, use Gmail.
1: Like <laughs> this is something that I think a lot of times, like, we'll, we, we'll be spitballing, right? And we'll come up with, like, amazing ideas. And I, I bet this happens a lot of times in people's organizations where they're like, they're, oh, man, just rapping back and forth. But then nothing actually ever comes of it because you don't have any follow-up. You don't set up time to actually get it down on paper, right? And that's, that's setting up a meeting and being thoughtful about it and, like, having, like, all right, we're going to dedicate an hour to actually, like, dive into this. I think the other side of the equation, which, like, I hated about my corporate jobs prior don't drown yourself and your yeah, teammates in, in meetings. meetings. My right. God, don't don't become that person where it's like from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you're just going into meetings and you're like, now I'm just meeting for the sake of meeting. Right, right. Figure out what actually needs to get done, how much time you need to do it. Use the AMRAP mentality, That's baby. right, baby. <laughs> well, let's
0: spit off a couple really quick ones. Yeah, um, let's do it this one's a really, really fast one. Is it typical to be asked for a personal guarantee when negotiating a lease? I would say the answer is yes, unless your corporation has um, either credit or credibility in some way, shape or form. So we're at a point with our organization that we've had enough leases with enough revenue, with enough P&L backing that generally speaking, we do not need to personally guarantee our leases. Now there's exceptions to that. Our most recent lease, uh, I had to personally guarantee it for one year at our Bascom (coughs) location. Which is fine for us, but in general, more times than not, they do want a personal guarantee because it protects the landlord from you just setting up some type of S corp or C corp going in there, signing a five year, 10 year lease, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you just bankrupt your business and now they're left, you know, with the, with the location that's bad. and so yes it's very typical however your goal should be as a gym owner to get to the point where your business is so successful and so sustainable that you no longer need that personal guarantee
1: let me ask a question on that jay because it's kind of less in my wheelhouse this kind of stuff but like you're now you're personally guaranteeing your business yeah like (laughs) like that that also comes down to that sense of like you gotta do your due diligence you actually have to have a business plan that's going to work out because now you're putting your family your livelihood everything that's outside of the business on the line when you sign one of those.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and you got to take a calculated risk, you know, um, again, I'll use myself as an example. When we first signed our first lease, you know, I personally guaranteed it mm-hmm. since then. I've probably personally guaranteed maybe, I don't know, three or four leases out of the X amount we have. And when I do it, I analyze and I ask myself, like, you know, there's a moment when you're signing this deal as Jason Kleep, not as NC fit. We are saying to yourself, like, look, if this thing's not successful, I'm on the hook for X amount of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And you got to feel really confident going into that, whether you personally guarantee or the corporation guarantees. And I think for me, the reason why I don't have a problem personally guaranteeing it is because I already feel like I'm personally guaranteeing it regardless. Mm-hmm. Like if our corporation signs on the dotted line, I I know we're going to crush it just like if I personally guaranteed it. And so my recommendation for everybody out there, regardless of how you get into a lease, you got to feel absolutely confident that if everything goes to shit, you're still going to be successful and mm. cause nothing's guaranteed in life, right? You gotta, and that's just the mindset, which goes into one of the, one of the important mm. things that we're, we're, we're talking about here. What type of lead generation do you prefer specifically when opening a new location? What kind of things can you be doing? And I, I think, you know, is it social media? Is it word of mouth? You know, what are your thoughts on these different marketing tools? And I think when you're opening a new location with no members, You gotta rely on the community to get behind you. Yeah. And you gotta get out there in the community and let them know you're coming. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, then you're in trouble. For us, because we have a network of members, it's a little bit different, but you know, starting off, you gotta be at your local Starbucks. You gotta be talking to everybody you can because that word of mouth, that engagement goes so far. And you don't need thousands of members to make money. Yeah. Right? You need hundreds.
1: A couple of hundred, yeah. So imagine if you
0: network with someone at Starbucks, that's a great place to start, is getting outside your gym. Because if you're just sitting inside your gym, people aren't going to come and find you. you got to go find them and then bring them in. Yeah. Then once you have them in, it's important to provide such a great product that those people tell their friends.
1: Yeah. Or listen to the, po- I was listening to the podcast that you did with Rob and Veronica from CrossFit Flushing. Those guys are great people. We had them come visit, um, you know, a few months ago here at NC Fit. It was just amazing hearing their story. They've been in the game for five years now, five and a half years. But when they started out, they literally had no members, right? Yep. And And no signage. No, nothing, right? (laughs) Nothing. But every person who walked through that door, they gave them a phenomenal experience. And they relied on that person to go out into the world and to tell the people in their circle about the amazing things that are going on at crossfit flushing and you know i i I impart this i try to impart this upon all of our coaches and head coaches at nc fit as well it's like we have an opportunity every single day to be the best hour of our members days and if we're doing our job right if we're going above and beyond if they're leaving the gym after having a great time they got a great workout they learned a thing or two There's no way that they can't go home and tell their family, their friends, their loved ones about this awesome thing that we're providing them.
0: Well, so we just recently had a coaching summit and it was actually very successful and the vibes were right. We had about, I don't know, 60 of our coaches there. And, you know, one of the takeaways that I had, we had a mindset coach there. And one of the things that I share with the group is that every day before I coach, I just remind myself that you're one bad experience away from never coming back. And I think, I'm always trying to think, you know, did I touch each member, give them an experience where they're going to go out and tell a friend how successful and how great of a workout they had. And I think Mm -hmm. these are the skills that are critical on the floor. Some, some additional, you know, non-floor critical components, especially when opening up a gym would be things like referrals, uh, you know, like, uh, referral marketing, right? Like, Hey, give your members a, what do we have going on right now?
1: Yeah. So we do some holiday promotions where, um, you know, a member can bring in, you know, a friend or a family member. If they end up signing up for a membership, we give that uh, current member a, a free month of membership. Right. That goes over really well.
0: That's a great way. Also, when we're opening up new locations, we do a discounted price or maybe we even give it free for the beginning. So one of the things we've done before is like, hey, first two weeks, first month are free. Try and get as many people in the door as humanly possible. And then your job as the owner is to convert yeah. them. So when opening a new location, I like that mindset. Mm-hmm. Because you want bodies in the door, right? Because the more bodies you're getting in the door, the more opportunities you have to to show them your impact. And then hopefully you earn their business. So yeah. when starting a new gym, I think getting out into the public, I think creating referral programs. But I think most importantly is what are you going to do to get bodies in the door? And then it's your job and your coach's job to get them to stay in the door. And so that's social media ads. If you need to, that's grassroots marketing from flyers, right? Finding local apartment complexes, things of that nature. All of those work. Yeah,
1: Something that I've noticed uh, that a lot of coaches are not, are not super comfortable in doing, um, and it definitely is a skill. And as an owner or a head coach, I think you can teach your people how to do this, is how do you talk to your members about going out there and telling their friends and family and telling people about what you do. Because if you do it wrong, it can come off super salesy and cheesy, right? If you're mm-hmm. like, hey, guys, we want more members. So, you know, go tell everybody, tell them <laughs> to come on in and, you know, we want their money, right? Right, right, right. That, that's not the way to go about it. And there is definitely a genuine way to go about it. I think, you know, when when you look at your membership, you have to realize that these people, uh, these are your family. This is your community. Like, th- right. this is your tribe, Right and you want to grow this tribe with like-minded people you want to grow this tribe with people who you know you can trust your members can trust and you want to bring these people into it and i think making an announcement like that you just ran a baller class right you just blew the door off the hinges You, you gave these people an amazing experience they're all cooling down on the foam rollers and this is a really awesome time for you to make that kind of announcement be like hey guys listen we just took on some some more space next door we're growing our family. We're growing our tribe here. And what we want to do is we, we, want to, we want our tribe to be like-minded people. We want to bring in your awesome friends and family. So if anybody in your circle has any questions about you know, their fitness, their nutrition, about their health, have them come on in. Have them come talk to me and be happy to, to talk to them about what we got going on.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a really valid point. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I think sometimes coaches, they get thrown off with the whole sales aspect of mm. it. But don't think about it so much as trying to be salesy. Just try and think about it as you're trying to share what you believe in with more people in a nice organic way, like what you were saying. Yeah. So one of the questions was, um, you know, I run a new, excuse me, we already answered that. For a newer affiliate, five years and profitable, how much cash are you comfortable with having the bank? You know, I think that's a personal decision based on your expenses, based on your personal lifestyle. There's a number of things, but as a rule of thumb, at least the goal that we try and get to is at least six months of all of our rent expenses and overhead in the bank. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a lofty goal when you start to think about your rents being you know, it's all, it's all relative. Right. But the goal would be at least to have a six month buffer. is a, is a great, uh, it's a great place to be because if you have too much cash, right, which is never a bad thing, but if you have too much cash, maybe you're not investing effectively in your business. Right. Or maybe that cash could be working for you elsewhere. Yeah. Right. You could be yeah. making some type of return, but if you have too little cash and all of a sudden you can't make investments in your space and every month you're, you're scraping, you know, scraping Striping, by to, yeah. to get there. So I and think so- six months is a,
1: too little too is like financially irresponsible at some level, because let's say you have a bad month, you know, you have a number of, we all know that there's ebbs and flows when it comes to CrossFit memberships and, you know, whether or not it's summer or, you know, figuring out what you need to have in the bank to cover your expenses, at least a few months buffer, at least.
0: You know, I think one of the questions that came up, which I think you read differently than I did was, what challenges other than weight loss ones can be successfully run at a box? Hmm. And I think at first I just said, oh, well, you could do a nutrition challenge. You could do a participation challenge, which we do. We're actually doing right now for the holiday time. We recognize that uh, December slows down a little bit because people are traveling, etc. So we put out a participation challenge where anybody who gets over the amount of um, 15. 15 check-ins, right? Check-in is just a time that you're coming in to work out. Gets eligible to win an assault bike is that is what we're doing, and what that's trying to do is drive retention accountability through the December timeframe, which we hope then carries over into January. But you read it a little bit differently than I did on, on that case, didn't you?
1: Yeah, a little bit. You know, I think challenges are really great. Um, I think that they're a great way to spark interest in uh, you know a certain way of eating or living or mindfulness or participation. Um, you know, but I, but I also think on the other side of this, like when I think about adding value more holistically, like, yes, the challenges are a great way to recharge, give your community a little shot in the arm. But there's also ways to be making these announcements, to be talking about these things, to be having one-on-one conversations with members throughout the year that really get your members fired up, that educate them, that give them more buy-in to what you're doing. And I think that that's something that, it's an element of running a successful affiliate or a functional training gym that um, I've seen done really, really well at you know, CrossFit New England, uh, Reebok CrossFit One, CrossFit One Nation, NC Fit, is that when you get somebody to buy in to the culture, to the nutrition, to the certain way that things are done at NC Fit right, or wherever, that's when you really now you have this person for a long time right? and they're fully bought into your method. And I think that that's a really essential element of like creating a brand, creating a culture is like, you know, that, that next level buy-in.
0: 100%. And so, you know, you kind of talk about creating a brand, creating a buy-in, you know, how do you strengthen the community in your box is, is a question that we got. And I think there's a number of ways to do this. I think it starts with the coaching product on the floor and what I'd like to start with there is I'd like to give some actual tangible items right now in this podcast that we use to develop our team and create trajectory. So MDV got brought on with us a little over a year ago and he really uh, transformed the way we were kind of thinking about coaching across the organization. So what are a few things, MDV, that we do, like tangible items, quantifiable items that we do that you think Help strengthen the community through coaching, mm. right? And, and what I mean by that is that the better product you put on the floor, you know, what I'm hoping is that that does a better job strengthen the community because you have an opportunity every day to strengthen the community. Versus, yes, do we do? Uh, we just had a ten year event. Do you do challenges? Do we do events? Of course we do. Those are those are non negotiable. Having barbecues and things of that nature. But what can a coach do on a daily basis? to ingrain that sense of community. Cause I think what we see and correct me if I'm wrong is that the community is kind of built in like the three 30 class or the 6am class, whatever class they create their own micro community within a larger community. So what are, what kind of tangible items mm-hmm. are we giving our coaches in terms of feedback that helps with that particular thing?
1: Yeah. Um, at least in my experience, Jay, I, I've always seen the members take their cues from the coaches, right? The attitudes and the culture that the coaches hold hold on to, right? How they walk into the gym and how they do so consistently is how the members are going to start to act, right? So if you have coaches who are constantly leaving their stuff out on the floor after they work out, they walk in with a bad attitude, you know, they They bring their bad days into the gym you know they're sloppy they look messy what you know whatever x y or z whatever negative traits you want to associate that will carry over to your membership now on the other side of the equation if you have people who are dialed in who walk into the gym they smile every day who are prepared who do all the things that you know that you want them to do that also carries over to your membership. The members are really a product, in my opinion, of how the coaches are acting. The members look up to these guys as, you know, as they put them on a pedestal. Like, right. they are very important people, and rightfully so, in, in these members' eyes and lives. And the members will emulate and take away the habits and the routines and the things that these people are doing or saying. And that's a, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility there as a coach yeah for damn sure as a coach but now like if you think about you peel back like as a manager as an owner you have to be giving these people the tools that they need to go out there and perform at a world-class level and to have a great attitude every single day and that's that's really where our development journey starts is you know really defining who we are as a training organization and making it very clear to our head coaches and our coaches that these are the expectations. And of how being you a do you do that? At Fit. It's having it down on paper. It, it, it comes down to being really thoughtful about who you want to be as a training organization. What do you stand for? And <clears throat> you have to then be able to actually back it up. Like you have to live it. You yourself have to live it. Me and you. And everybody else who's at a leadership level in the organization, we have to live it because if, if it's just words on paper and we're not living it, it's all bullshit after right. that, right? And so
0: you're talking about your mission, your vision from a coaching product, you're, you're drawing this down and then all of our new coaches get some type of, you know, job description, yeah. all that kind of yep. stuff. So it starts there.
1: Yeah, it's, it, obviously it starts at the very high level with creating your ideal. What, what do you stand for? And then as you move down you have the communication of that to people in your organization, right? So when a new coach comes onto our teams, they're given um, our mission, our vision, our goals. They're given our NC Fit 10, which is our 10 non-negotiable criteria for what we look for out of, you know, a coach when they take the floor. They're given the stage one Coaches manual. They're given all these things to really dive into and read and ask questions. And the expectations when somebody joins your organization have to be crystal clear because that's really where you run into issues down the road. If you're not clear with what you expect out of me, or if you're not clear with what you expect out of your people, you can't fault them for fucking up. Right. You can't fault them for going outside of that because you, you as a manager haven't made it clear. So that's something that we I think we do pretty well, but we could always do better is really setting the expectation and making it crystal clear what the roles and responsibilities behind your particular position are.
0: So now a coach enters the organization mm-hmm. through an internship process, apprenticeship process, Whatever, yeah. They become a coach, they get this clear guideline. But then what can a gym owner do today? If the coach has been in the organization for a while, and, you know, how often should we be providing feedback to mm-hmm. these coaches? Uh what do you think is a good roll of thumb let's just say you're a single owner with four coaches how much feedback should we provide him and what kind of criteria what kind of uh document can we be using to what should we be identifying yeah. and how should we be delivering it
1: the feedback conversation is um is a really popular one i think um i think feedback is probably the most essential element, um, in any development structure. Um, you know, obviously you have the, the level one, the level two, the level three criteria. I think all that education is indispensable. You, you can send your people along that journey, but giving somebody, um, appropriate feedback, giving somebody meaningful feedback is really an integral piece of the, the development structure. So, Before you get into any formal crap, (laughs) before you get into like, hey, I have this scorecard and I have this evaluation and your class was a five, right? Whatever. Which we do. We we do that. Yeah. But we've done it slowly, dude, because what, what you need to do first is you need to ingrain this idea into your organization, into every person who coaches for you, into even managers outside of your coaching structure, that feedback that meaningful conversation about job performance is is normal. yeah it's something it's that healthy is exactly and it comes from a place of trust and care and it's because we want to always be getting better. It's that idea of excellence. It's never attainable but we're always striving for it And those are the three main uh, cultural elements of, of NCFIT. fit trust, care and excellence and that's what we stand for as a training organization and that all revolves around healthy communication right so if you look at your coaching staff and you're like man i'm afraid to go up and talk to coach john John. whatever yeah we both said (laughs) about that class that he just ran you have a serious issue in your organization and no matter what you layer into it formal evaluations coaching seminars, uh, you know, uh, reimbursement policies. None of it matters. None of it matters. Yeah.
0: Because you're not comfortable enough to even go have a conversation with them.
1: And that's where it has to start, right? You have to be able to have a healthy back and forth with your team, not only about what they do poorly and what they can uh, need improvement on, but the things that they do well, and they need to be able to come to you and talk to you about that. And establishing that first is essential. And and it really starts, let's say like you have no idea, like this is completely foreign to you. This starts by establishing a relationship of trust with your people. Like they need to trust you. And they need to know that you care about them. And the reason that there's this sharing is because you want them to be better. And they should feel comfortable in that. And that might take some time and that, that, that's okay. But as you start to build that relationship and you strengthen it, that's when you can start to layer in more conversations
0: about real development. Exactly. So what could you do? You could just take them to coffee, start having a better relationship. You think to start off with, get comfortable, you know, let's just say you're a single owner. You have four coaches. One of them, uh, you don't think is putting out the best product, but you don't feel comfortable talking to them because they're the competitor in your gym. You think they kind of run, they have a large audience that loves them, but maybe they're also mm-hmm. polarizing to another community at your gym. What's the first step you could do with that person just to develop this layer of trust? Because for a while, you've kind of let them run rampant with what they want to do. Try <sighs> to start having conversations, yeah. take them to coffee on a regular basis, set up reoccurring meetings.
1: Yeah. I, I, some of it comes also down, Jay, to like, you got to check your own ego, right? You, like... This is something that I, I try to do uh, you know, a lot. And I if I'm having a problem with somebody or if, like, if I'm realizing that I'm not feeling comfortable talking to somebody about something, like the first thing I'll usually do is I'm going to go back and I'm going to check myself and be like, w- what am I feeling insecure about? Or have I done my best? Or do I need to think about, <clears throat> am I meeting this person's needs? Or am I really coming from a place of trust and care with this person? And I think that that's a really deep and meaningful conversation that you can have with yourself. So first of all, always check yourself. But second of all, like you have that person who is, you know, hyper competitive and who, you know, who's, you know, getting after workouts, whatever, a a good way to initially bridge the gap, maybe just throw down at the person. Like, yeah, just have a workout. Yeah. Maybe figure out a time that you guys can get together and, you know, share that common bond of fitness together and afterwards, after you've thrown down, then break it down, right? Because we all know the feeling after a, an amazing workout, like everybody's a little bit de-stressed. You know, there's fist bumps, there's high fives. And now you're in a place maybe where you can talk to them. And all these different situations, I think, have different answers to them. But the the number one thing, first of all, you got to check yourself. You got to think about your ego in the situation and you got to remove it. And after that, then you have to think meaningfully about what's the best way to communicate with this person. Everybody might be a little bit different.
0: hundred percent. Well, guys, we've answered quite a, you know, a couple questions went off on a little bit of the coaching. Uh, what we feel like was really important conversation today. I want to finish it off by just saying, you know, I've been getting on the phone with a lot of gym owners. I'm about to here in about five minutes, get on the phone with another gym owner. And I just really want to share this fact that conversations are meaningless unless there's action behind them. And Mm. I was talking to another owner and he kept asking me the same thing. Like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And I told him exactly what I believed he should go do, but he never wanted to just go out there and execute on it. And I think there's a big difference between those who, once you come up with a game plan, you really think about this. And this kind of goes back to my competition career as well. When I, when I looked at a competition when I looked at a CrossFit Games event I would say hey I want to do this amount of reps this amount of this I'd set my mind on it and then I would go out there and try and go execute on it and if things really went bad I would I would reevaluate and reshift but I made that decision while my heart rate was controlled I was in the back and I was doing an analysis so I needed to stick with my game plan for as long as possible but all of a sudden when you get out on the competition floor and things really start occurring you shift immediately because you get all nervous but you need to reaffirm to yourself that your game plan was your game plan for a reason. So if you're a gym owner out there and you're looking to make some hard decisions, once you do a full analysis, go out on your path, do what you need to do for the betterment of your business because you did a full analysis. And then if you really, really need to pivot, but don't just get shocked by your first you know, negative interaction and initially just get off your game plan because that's going to happen. Identify where you want to go. And stay true to your path. And it, yes, there's going to be uncomfortable conversations. But you know what? You know, you get better through adversity. Mm. And I think if you're always leaning towards this comfort level, it's oftentimes going to be challenging for you to grow as an organization. I've had a lot of tough conversations a lot of people. And it's always made me better. It's always made the company better. And once you know what's best for your business, you need to stay true to that path. Yeah. So,
1: The toughest conversation sometimes is the one that always has to happen.
0: And everybody knows what that yeah. is. So guys, keep rising the tides. I hope everybody has a great day and uh, enjoy.
1: Get after it.